Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. Over and over again for the next eight days. (laughs) Which isn't the worst thing to be going through your head, honestly. Today we're going to be looking at uh, Colossians chapter 3 together, the beginning of Colossians chapter 3. I invite you to turn there. We'll have some of the words up on the screen, uh, but um, not not all of them. So, and I'll I'll give you a a heads up. One of the things that um, we are really, one of the people we're really fortunate to have with us is Patrick there in the back. And you might not know this, but uh, just about every Sunday Patrick is, is back there making sure uh, that our um, our worship happens uh, behind the scenes, and of course we don't need amplification, and we don't need uh, visual things, and we don't need any of this stuff to praise God. Uh, but it helps our our service. Um, reach more people and reach our community. It helps us all here, so we're here in person. And so Patrick is back there uh, running the slides right now, and I have set him up today for failure um, because there are a lot of slides, and he'll do, he'll do great. But I want you to know that if it's ever not, I used to work in the back all the time growing up when I was a kid, and everyone always thought it was my fault when things went wrong, but it almost never was. It, it almost always is whoever's standing up here has done something a little bit different. So I uh, just uh, wanted to say that. I want to say thank you, Patrick, for your incredible work doing that over the years and, and still. Um, so, yeah, we're in. Col- <laughs> well, that's why I, I included that in there, you know. So, uh, so today, uh, you know, it's the, the day after Christmas. And it's an extra uh, funny Christmas for our family because usually for us, uh, how I don't know when you guys take your Christmas decorations down, but in our house, um, we're often leaving the state on Christmas morning. And, and Patrick, again, is uh, coming to our house and watching our dog. But one of the things that we do, because when you come back from a two-week vacation, the last thing you want to deal with is a dry Christmas tree. Uh, So one of our Christmas traditions is every Christmas morning, I get to play the Grinch. We strip the tree, I haul it out of the house and throw it in the back of a vehicle and dump it unceremoniously uh, at at the dump. And it's such an odd feeling because you're like, we've been so excited for Christmas, you know, and we're getting ready and and we're getting ready to go on our long trip. And the the way that we celebrate, at least the way that I celebrate, is 6 a.m., 5 a.m. on Christmas morning, I'm literally throwing a Christmas tree into the garbage. Um, Uh, and, and so this is, you know, uh, this year's a little different, but that's um, kind of how, how we've always done that. And, and we'll, we'll get in the car and we'll drive the, between 14 and 16 hours uh, to get to Colorado to, to be with my parents for Christmas morning. And it's just, it's just crazy this time of year for us. It's just rush, 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 rush. And we have Christmas Eve service, and then we hop in a car, and we rush, 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 rush. And when we finally get to my parents' house... Um, you know, the, we do hugs, and we send the kids to bed, and, and I'm just done, you know, and, and, and you wake up in the morning, and, and whenever I come back home, my friends here will always ask, what did you guys do in Colorado, and I never have an answer, because the goal is just to get there, and then once we're there, I don't want to do anything at all for two weeks, and we, we do all kinds of things, but, uh, you know, once, once we get there, it's just, it's such a relief to have made it, 
and to sleep, and Christmas is, is done, and then the, you know, the question is always, okay, well, now, now what? <laughs> um, and maybe, maybe you've experienced this too. You know, Christmas, I think, is like that for a lot of us. There's so much buildup. There's so much excitement, uh, especially with when you have kids around. Um, there are so many things to do that have to get done before Christmas, and then it arrives, and it's just, it's just gone. Unless you're one of those people that leaves your Christmas lights up till July, um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's just gone. You know, the Christmas parties are over. The presents are unwrapped. Um, maybe your house is put back together. Maybe your tree is, is lying unceremoniously on a pile of uh, sticks and brush. Um, and, you're, and you're asking yourself, you know, what, what now? You know, Christmas is here. Merry Christmas, you know. Um, but, but now what? You know, you, you go back to work. You blow the candles out. You take the decorations down and and you realize that there's a whole lot more winter to come. <laughs> and we had a good time, uh, but as the dust clears, um, you know, our, our fears and our regular life problems start to bubble back up. Even if we were able to put them aside for a few weeks, everything kind of comes back into focus. And, and I find myself oftentimes when I'm uh, trying to sleep in in Colorado, you know, thinking like, yeah, you know, praise, praise God, Jesus came. Christmas is here, the Savior was born, but, but now what? Uh, and today I thought, um, uh, you know, on this perfect day after Christmas, now what kind of day, we look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, because just like most of what the Apostle Paul wrote in, in the Bible, it's written to a, a group of people um, that aren't really that different from us. Um, they lived in a very different time and had a very different life, but people are people no matter what uh, generation they live in. And, and the people that Paul writes to in Colossians, uh, they gather uh, in their way of worship for the same reason that we do. Um, they gathered in community, hopefully, uh, because they believed uh, that God's own Son, in the person of Jesus Christ, walked the earth. Uh, that's why they came together. Not only did they believe uh, that God's Son in the person of Jesus walked the earth, uh, they believed that he um, died on their behalf, and more importantly than anything else, that he rose again from the dead. Uh, that's why their church existed. That's why they bothered coming together. And, and the same is true for, for our church today, for Bethel and every uh, true Christian church on earth even though sometimes we forget it, sometimes we get distracted by all the other things that we do in worship, but the reason that we're here, just like the people Paul's writing to in Colossians, is because we actually believe that God himself walked the earth, that he allowed himself to be killed, and that he rose again from the dead. Amen? Christmas is here, right? Amen. Uh, they gathered uh, just like us, and they believed, uh, just like we do, that because God came to the earth and lived and walked and taught and all of that stuff, because he died on a cross on their behalf for their sins and for our sins, uh, and because he walked out of a tomb, they believe that that event is so significant it ought to change every aspect of human life. And so the, the people, the Christians in, in Colossae that, that Paul is writing to, they did that. They changed their life and reorganized it around uh, this reality that uh, not only did they believe there's a God in the world or in the universe, everybody believed in, in God back then, uh, pretty much. Uh, not only did they believe there's a God, but that, that God himself walked the earth and lived and died and, and rose again. 
And they took big risks, the early church, uh, to believe that. Um, this cost them relationships, it cost them friendships, it cost them a lot. Um, a lot more, frankly, than it, than it costs us sometimes. Uh, but they still did it because they thought that a man named Jesus, who was God's son, walked out of a tomb after being killed. Uh, and they staked their lives on that. And they went to um, uh, incredibly challenging circumstances. Many Christians went to their deaths holding on to that reality, uh, not just the cross, but the empty tomb after it. Otherwise, um, I think they would have found something a little bit easier to do with their life. Uh, they took this huge risk. Um, but I have to think, you know, and our, our friends in, in Colossae, and, and I have to think um, that the people that read Paul's letter here um, are, are like us too, right? We're, we're all people. People are the same in different, uh, different places. I have to think that just like us, um, though they believed that God walked the earth in flesh, sometimes they looked out their doors and their windows and in their communities, they noticed in their own life or in the life of people that they cared about that though they believed death was defeated, uh, that although Jesus had come down and, and walked on the earth, though they knew God walked the same roads they did, um, that the world, and though they knew that it changed everything, um, they also thought, like, many of us sometimes, that even though Jesus came, even though Christmas came, sometimes the world was still awful cold and dark and difficult. That even though uh, on Christmas we say the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it, sometimes it really feels like, I don't know, you know, they have that moment after Christmas where you're like, boy, there sure is an awful lot of darkness. They believed, these, these Colossians, just like we do, that God ruled the world, that his love um, overturns and defeats evil, that his death was on, uh, on our behalf for our sin, and that his resurrection proves that death is not the end. Um, they believed all that stuff, um, but it was obvious to them, just like it's obvious to us, that this world is not yet healed. That though uh, Christ is victorious, that though God is king, um, Things still aren't how they're supposed to be. That though Christmas happened, the world is still full of pain and illness and conflict and hatred and hardship. And these Christians, they knew that better than any of us do uh, because they experienced it differently than, than any of us had. They believed just like us that because of Jesus, death isn't the end. Their sins are forgiven. One day they would be raised from the dead to live in God's fully healed world once Jesus returned. They're just like us. And, and just like us, if you believe that, uh, once Jesus arrives in your life, you know that your sins are forgiven. Once you've accepted Christ, your sins are forgiven. You can put your hope uh, outside of the daily events of this life, but you can actually put your hope in, in the resurrection. That one day, uh, though, though we die, um, will rise again. And so, and so they, they believe that just, just like us, and, and they believe that one day uh, God would come and set right this world fully, that one day he'd come and, and um, replace the old normal way of life that we encounter every day with, with what God intended. Um, so Paul, um, as he's writing uh, Colossians, it's every, every, time we, we, every time we read Paul and we read the gospel on some level, it's about this reality, right? That, that God is making us new 
uh, that he's healing the world, that he's forgiven our sins, but that the world is not where it's supposed to be yet. Every gospel deals with that, that tension. Every letter is about how do you live in a world that still seems like it's ruled by evil, even though uh, you know that Christ has come into the world. And so I think his words are, are helpful to us because we live just like the Colossians did in between um, Christmas and Easter and then on the other side, Jesus' return. Um, the, the, the right now, uh, where God, we know Christ died and rose for us, but we also know that the world has not been set right. We stand in the same point of history as the, as the Colossians, and so I think his words are, are helpful to us. And there, there's nothing really that complicated about uh, Colossians 3, and, and, he, and Paul makes these arguments in other letters, uh, but I think there's something to hold on to when the, the wrapping paper is put away and when we're asking Christmas is here, but now what? Um, so I'm just going to start, um, and this is the part where it's going to be really tricky for Patrick so, um, and for me. Uh, so I'm just going to start at the beginning of chapter 3. Uh, this, is, this is what he says. He says, since then, he's talking about the, the before, since they've encountered Christ, since you've met Jesus, since you received Christ into your life, just like the, the cave received baby Jesus, right? Since Christmas came in your own life, um, you have been raised with Christ. He actually says you, you died to your old way of life, and since then you've been raised with Christ. So set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Uh, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul, he's setting the stage. He says, uh, if you believe in Jesus in a, in a fundamental way, you have died to your old way of living. You've died to the old way the world works, the way of self-protection, self-determination, and, and selfishness. You've, you've died to that life, and you've actually already been raised to a new kind of life. And so, uh, so that's what Paul says. He says, remember, and he doesn't write this because the Colossians did this easily. He doesn't write this because it's easy to think this way, that it's easy to remember this way. He writes this because it's hard, and we need to be reminded. He says, remember, if you know who Jesus is, if Jesus is, uh, is a part of your life, if you've accepted him, your old life is gone, and we're invited to live a new life that's hidden with Christ in God. Now, why would a, uh, a man or a woman living in Colossae uh, reading this letter want to know that their life is hidden with Christ? Because their life was at risk. Paul's saying, you're already dead. They can't take your life from you because God has it. Uh, so he continues on, and, and he starts talking about what that means. What does it mean uh, to die to the old way of living in the world? He, he starts to put some, some meat and, and bones onto it in verse 5. He says, therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He means to your old life. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly life. Uh, and some of these we have a much easier time putting to death than others. <laughs> we, he says, put to death sexual immorality, put to death impurity, put to death lust, put to death evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. 
uh, because of these things, this old way of living, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He continues in verse 9. Do not lie to each other. And, and the reason why is, is, on, is on that next slide. He says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You've taken off your old self and put on a new self, Paul. Again, he's saying it same thing in a different way. The old way of living in the world, that old you because of Jesus, is, is dead. So stop living according to those rules. Stop living according to those rules that say, I need to make sure I'm satisfying myself, taking care of myself, determining myself, and instead put to death that old way and live your life, your new self that's hidden with Christ. And then he continues with a, with a little comment on this that I think is incredibly interesting because it touches on the same ways, humans are always the same, the same ways uh, that we uh, divide ourselves as human beings. Um, Paul continues, he says, you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In verse 11, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in us all. Paul says the ways that the world, the old life, divided itself, uh, the ways that we, we set up society and said, this is us and that's them, uh, this is the good team, and that's the bad team. Paul says, all of those things don't matter anymore because the part of you that was a Gentile or a Jew or a circumcised or uncircumcised or a barbarian or Scythian or slave or free is dead. And you're a new kind of person. And I think if we're honest, we could uh, add a list of categories that make sense to us. Paul is saying that part of you that belongs to that tribe or that community or that ideology, it's, it's dead, put on a new one, marked by Christ. He continues uh, to explain this difference. We've talked about the old self, the old self that's dead. He continues on in verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people... So you were Jews and Gentiles, uncircumcised or circumcised barbarians, Scythian, slave or free, Americans, Republicans, Democrats, whatever, right? You were those things. Therefore, now this is what you are. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, put to death your old self, your old identity. And Paul doesn't say this because it's easy and obvious that as soon as you ask Jesus into your heart, it's, it's easy and obvious that you're not that person anymore. No, he says it because it's easy to forget. And so often we return to those old identities, those old habits. And he says, uh, take off that old identity, put to death your anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, and instead be one of God's chosen people. And in the place of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language... Uh, clothe yourselves with this, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Um, if you, you've ever noticed, uh, what, what Paul, is, Paul is saying here is like he's saying, you can take off those old armor pieces that protect yourself, the, the anger and the rage that you use to make sure that nobody messes with you, 
the malice and slander to make sure you're a little bit above somebody else so that you get what you need and, and who cares what happens to them. And he says, because God holds on to your life, because God uh, has made you new, you can afford to have compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You can be gentle even with dangerous people because God is holding on to your life and there's nothing they can do to you. That's what Paul's saying because these are people that encounter dangerous people all the time. You can afford to be compassionate to people that, uh, that just can't seem to get it together because God is covering the balance of that, the cost of compassion. God is, God is covering it. You're loved. Be different. Put on the clothes of someone who's loved. And then he continues, and he's just going to keep fleshing this out in, in, in Colossians 3. He says, um, and, and it gets worse for those of us that are human. It, it gets more difficult because we... Uh, it's hard to live this way. And you can only live this way if you really believe that somebody else is holding on to your life. He says in verse 13, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is an easy church thing. Oh yeah, of course, you know, we got to forgive people, blah, blah, blah. But you think about like forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, You know, Christian theology teaches us that that Christ died for our sins. Uh, So our sin, our failure, hung him up on a cross and yet the Lord forgave us. He says over all of these virtues, so if if you're putting on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, if you're forgiving one another even when they wrong you, even when uh, the reason you don't forgive someone, right, is because you don't want to be harmed by them again, right? You want to make sure that they know never to do that thing again. I'll not have a relationship with you ever again. He says, bear with each other, forgive each other. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. And all over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Paul is saying the old you is defined by selfishness and the habits of selfishness, self-protection, self-perseverance, self-sustaining. The new you is defined by love. And the first love that defines it is the love of a Savior and a God who walked the earth and went to a cross on our behalf. Paul says, put on love because you are loved. Uh, He continues in in verse uh, 15. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. The the peace of Christ, right? Uh, We can let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because we can believe that that God is actually the one holding on to us. And it's, it's hard to believe. It's hard to follow. It's hard to think this way all the time. That's why it's written in the Bible so that we don't forget. If it was easy, uh, Paul wouldn't bother writing it down. Uh, but, it, but it's difficult because we, he's saying live your life like you really believe that God came and lived and died and rose and that you really believe that no matter what happens to you in your life, God is holding on to you now and forever. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful Paul says, you are safe in your new eternal life, so live like it. Live like someone who feels safe, who can forgive people. He continues in verse 16. Uh, Now we're talking about, about, about words. He says, let the message of Christ, 
dwell among you richly. He's talking to this whole church, this whole community. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Um, If it was easy to live life like you believe that God lived and died and rose again from the dead, if it was easy to put off the old self and, and take up the new self, would we need to teach and admonish one another about it? No, right? If it was easy, we wouldn't have to remind each other. But Paul says, remind each other. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. And then finally, you know, he says, you, you know what's true up here. Encourage each other with it. And then he continues uh, in verse 17. And finally, um, and, and I love when Paul says stuff like this because it's just like he's trying to do a catch-all. He's like, I'm not going to deal with every individual problem or problematic person. I'm just going to say this. He says, whatever you do, whether it's what you say or what you do, word or deed, um, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, and again, this is easy for Paul to say. It's a catch-all, but it, it's, it's probably the heaviest thing in this whole list, that, that because of Christmas, because God uh, walked around in flesh and died and rose again, because we believe that God is actually holding on to our lives in Christ, that the old self is dead, that we've been raised new, we're invited to live every part of our life, every word and every action, in the name of, of Jesus. And so thinking in such a way that um, we, he almost as a representative, whatever you do, do it because of that. You've been given much, Paul says. Use it in the name of Jesus. And so just to, you know, to, to recap our, our, little, our little Bible study here, first of all, Patrick, you've, like, I thought this was going to be a mess with the slides. He did it perfectly. So this is not me. This is all him. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> here's, the, here's the, the four things. He says, so Christmas is here, now what? If, if you've accepted Christ, if he's come into your life, uh, these things don't come easy. It's not, it's not easy, otherwise Paul would just say, do what comes naturally. No, he says, put to death your old self. These are the four, uh, four things. He says, if, if, if you believe this, living like this is true, Christmas came, now what? Now put on love and forgiveness and patience with each other practical, real love that costs you something. Even though it's easier to protect yourself, we put on love. May peace rule in your hearts. May you really believe that God is holding on to you enough that you actually can let peace rule in your hearts and in your community. Let the message of the gospel rule your minds and finally do whatever it is that you do for God. And you might ask, why? Why? How could we possibly live like this? Well, of course we know why. The why is because Christmas came, because God came and dwelled on the earth and died on our behalf, because we believe that God is holding our lives if we let him, and that no matter what happens, no matter what the consequences are of forgiving someone, or the consequences that we imagine of not worrying too much about something, or the consequences of bearing with someone in love, whatever those consequences are, um, God's bigger than that because Christ is, is holding on to our life. Uh, we can do those things because Christmas is here and Jesus is coming back. 
Evil is beaten. The old world, defined by selfishness and self-promotion and self-indulgence, is on its way out. And the new world is on its way in, just like dead people walk out of tombs. We no longer have to live to advance or please or preserve our comfort ourselves alone, but instead we can find our future, our joy, and our sustenance, and our comfort in Christ. Christmas is here, Jesus is coming back, and so we can rest our lives in him. We can find our comfort, not in our own strength and ability to defend ourselves, but in Christ and his grace. We can stretch our future, not in our ability to make really awesome plans and account for every possible outcome, but in Christ who died and rose again, and so that no matter what happens to us, we're being held on to. We're invited to live like Christmas really happened and like Christ will really return to take off grievance and wear forgiveness, to surrender anxiety and embrace peace and thanksgiving, to let go of our tribes and arguments and instead speak the message of Christ to each other and the reason for our hope. And finally, whatever we do, do it in the name of Jesus and not let all of those other loyalties that are constantly trying to pull us back capture our hearts. My friends, Christ arrived, he lived, he died, and rose again. And we are invited to choose him, uh, to accept what he's done, and live like it's true. Because at Bethel, we believe that God himself walked the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. We believe that he ate and drank and talked and taught but ultimately that he bled and died on behalf of broken people just like the Colossians and just like us. We believe that three days later, he walked out of a tomb. And the Bible tells us that if we turn from our old way of living and instead put our faith and our lives in Christ, he will give us a new eternal life that starts today. A new eternal life that no one, not a human or an accident or a illness, can take that life away from us. And if we embrace that, we'll be dead to our old ways of living and alive to God's kingdom. And that one day, when our body is placed in a casket or in an urn, in the ground or somewhere else, we will dwell in God's presence waiting for the resurrection of the dead and the healing of the world. At Bethel and as Christians, um, we believe that that changes everything. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, here we are more than 2,000 years after the first Christmas. More than 2,000 years after you walked the earth in flesh. More than 2,000 years later telling this same story, believing it and walking in it. And it's still as hard uh, to live out as it's always been, Lord. Help us to turn from the old way, to put our faith in you, and to be saved by your abundant grace.
And when we've accepted that grace, Lord, remind us every single day that our old way and our old life and our old self has died and that you have raised up a new one. Help us to live like we really believe you died and rose again on our behalf. And when we forget, God, I pray you remind us. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.